0: Welcome to the Parent University podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way.
1: We hope you enjoy the following talk.
0: So that was just a fun way. You know, there, there's so many ways that we communicate just with body language, just our faces, Um Something else that we need to be aware of are the emotions that we operate out of, right? So, um, so in other words, somebody who may be feeling emotions um, of frustration a lot may react to a situation more harshly than somebody who operates out of apathy a lot, for example. And so even the way that we communicate with our spouses, the way we communicate with our kids, a lot of times is fueled out of the emotions that we're dealing with. So what I'm going to have you do on your tables, if each one of you could take a sheet and a pen there in the middle, that's why I, I made y'all uncomfortably scoot in together and share all those tables. I want to, uh, to read a few emotions um, as you go down the sheet, and I want you to rate those emotions. Um, the first column might as well be my nickname. In other words, you always feel that emotion. At some point in the day. Uh, I'd consider us friends is often. It's it's a fairly regular emotion. Um, I can use it in a sentence means you you sometimes uh, experience that emotion and doesn't ring a bell means that you never experience that emotion. So with the emotion worried, put a check in the box across worried of how often or how little you feel that emotion. Worried. The next one is hopeful. Go ahead and check the box on how often you feel hopeful. Impatient, one of our buzzwords today. Frustrated. Bitter. Relaxed. How often do you feel relaxed? I know this is parent you the teenage years, so maybe I shouldn't even use that word. Fearful, it's a good one. Anxious, ecstatic, exhausted, and arrogant, and and we're not going to necessarily share these even at your table or, or anything. But just once you, now that you've kind of rated those emotions, kind of take a look at the, at, at the whole sheet. Are, are you surprised with some of the emotions that you feel often or surprised with some of the emotions that, that you don't feel as often? Do you see a pattern or commonalities between the emotions? Um, and, and looking at those emotions that you experience or don't experience that it also makes sense that the way a lot of times we react, whether it's in conflict or conversation or situations, it constitutes how we react by those emotions that are driving us or by some of those lack of emotions that are driving us. And this is just something to keep. This is more just kind of a, uh, a self-check and, and, and just kind of taking a self-inventory of the emotions that we feel a lot. Because I think sometimes if we identify those, it makes a lot more sense in the way that our kids will come up to us or our spouses will come up to us in the way we want to initially react. may not be an honest reaction. It may be just be driven out of an emotion that we've been experiencing lately. Um, just want to bring up Jeff Summers now to, uh, to actually bring you the serious good stuff. So y'all welcome, Jeff Summers.
2: Well, it's great to be back with you guys after a Christmas break. I hope everybody had a great holiday time, and I'm, I'm really excited about this series that we're starting today um, just to kind of get into—well, that's fun. It kind of goes down on its own there—a um, uh, new series and getting into communication because I think it's such a vital thing that we all have to deal with, right, on some level, especially— the things that we're going to talk about and the things that we're going to get into over the next uh, uh, few months is, is going to be, um, I'm excited about the, the topic, not just communicating with teenagers, but communicating with your, friend, your teenager's parents. Like, how, do you, how are you going to approach that? Uh, communicating with your spouse, these are different things we're going to get into over the next uh, few months until pretty much take us all the way to summer. And today, we want to get into communicating with yourself and kind of start with how self-aware are you of the way that you communicate with your kids? So are you thinking deeply about your own communication when you're not in the moment? And that's, that's kind of the thing I want to focus on. One of the things I feel like Cammy and I have a new thing for me to discover is how we go away from those conflicts or from that time with our kids. And when we're sitting having coffee the next day, for example, or that night after the kids are asleep, and then we kind of debrief, hey, how did that go? And then you're not in the emotion of the moment of when you were interacting with your kids. And you, I think you have a better perspective. It's interesting. Scientists have, uh, several years ago, I went to a men's retreat, and they had a, a scientist who, a sociologist, who talked about ways that they're now discovering how the brain works, that your emotion center is actually in the top of your brain, but your critical thinking and problem solving is in the front part of your brain. And that's why when we're really angry or when we're upset, we don't always make the best decisions, right? (laughs) Because when you're calm, you know, you're all the blood and everything's, the neurons, things are firing all in the front of your brain and you make good decisions, but when you're in the middle of an emotional situation, It short circuits some of that. And of course, in kids, that's not even fully developed until they're 25. So they make lots of boneheaded decisions, right? That that don't even have anything to do. Sometimes they're completely driven by emotion. And so it's good for us to get away and to, to think once the emotion is over and really start to unpack hey, why did I say that? What's going on? And, um, we, let, me, let me say a word of prayer, and then we'll just kind of jump in to the, to the Word of God and, and, and start talking about this. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for these parents and uh, just the opportunity to get together, to share uh, our struggles, to bear one another's burdens. I pray that you would use Parent University to help us to make connections with other parents um, in, our, in our parish or in the same life stage, and, and we can develop this community, Lord, um, and, and support one another. So help us. As we learn to communicate with ourselves and the things that can stop us from being as effective as we want to be in these areas. And Lord, may, may your word inform us above all things, Lord, on how, how to go after the hearts of our kids. So we praise you and love you. In Christ's name, amen. Um, it says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, many of you are familiar with this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it, okay? The heart is deceitful. So when we think we're operating out of uh, either a pure motive or that we are handling something well, we can even be self-deceived, right? Our hearts deceive us, and we have to be careful about that. In Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's really what we are constantly, uh, we need to do is go to the Lord in prayer. Go at times of, of meditation and ask God, hey, search me as, as I'm communicating with my kids or with my spouse and help me to do this in a way that honors you. What, what's going on inside of me? And that's that's really a lot of what we're talking about in this whole idea of being Introspective and communicating with yourself—that—that that is a, a struggle that I have. I don't know. I wrote a blog this week that put on the Facebook page, and I'm not terribly introspective. Okay, I—I'm very much an extrovert. I am with my staff all day long at work. I go home. I'm with my kids. Then they go to sleep. I'm with Cami, and I, it's hard for me to get time alone. I don't need a lot of time alone, and because of that, I'm very unaware at times of what what's going on in my heart level, and. I really benefit, and you all benefit as I teach, because Cammy's very introspective. Cammy is, my wife is very, uh, loves to be alone, loves to think. It's so funny, because yesterday, I mean, a perfect example, I was preparing this and working, and then I'm doing worship pastor uh, today, too, so I had a bunch of stuff to wrap up, and I came out of the office, and I was like, wow, it's three hours in the office, and I feel exhausted, you know, and she, she would love three hours in the office, like for her, to get in there alone by herself for three hours is awesome, and for me, it's just painful to be in there, and I can't wait to wrap up the work. And so, because she's introspective, though, we talk a lot about these things, and we dissect. We're both, we analyze and, and dissect our conversations and our communication with our kids all the time together, and that has been so helpful for me and for her as we, as we try to parent. You know, we're in this, we're in the foxhole together. We're working on these things together, but I rely on her introspection to help me to even understand how I'm feeling and thinking. Um, So when it comes to communicating with your kids, there's several things that can get in the way of that communication. And we have all of these different things that that are blocking us, and so when you're alone and being introspective or talking with your spouse later about stuff, start to identify some of these things, and it can help you. Uh, to realize, hey, this is what the decision that we just made, if I'm honest, I think this can cloud w- what just happened. And let me, let me give you an example. We'll just start and, and jump right in. These are different barriers that can cloud our judgment when we're making parenting decisions. Now, the first one may seem pretty obvious. It's sin. Okay, we are, sin gets in the way when we're trying to communicate. And let me give you an example from my own heart, and maybe you can relate to this. I am selfish, okay, I am self-centered, and there are times when I just want tranquility. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, maybe you're home reading the paper, and it's, you know, the birds are chirping, the sun is shining, and it's beautiful that you get to just relax, read the paper, and hang out, and it could be watching a show, you could be doing anything on the computer, you're looking at Facebook, but you just want that me time. And what's happening in the background? Two of your kids start to fight, right? And they're going on and on and on. And you can feel yourself getting upset. You know, as this is happening, you're getting angrier and angrier. And then finally, you just blow up, right? And you just blow up and say, what is the problem? And that's what happens. My mess gets in the way with my kids, and it's my own sin, and it causes me to inter- interact with them in a way that isn't going after their heart. I am trying just to stop the conflict so I can get back to what I want to do. And one of the, the easiest ways to identify this, and you, you, it often happens when your kids are younger, but have you ever done the whole who had it first thing? Okay? Uh, when my kids are fighting, especially the younger ones, and I, wanna, I come in the room and they've interrupted me, my time, or whatever I'm involved with, and I just don't want to be bothered with it. As a parent, it's easy for me to go up and go, Well, who had this first? Well, he did. Okay, give it to him. And the, that is like the most lazy parenting if you think about it. who invented that rule? What that doesn't say anything about the heart, it doesn't say what's right, it doesn't I mean the I had it first rule, you know. Well, Dad, you know, okay, give him his gun, you know, and it's a loaded gun, you know, well, he had it first. And then you go back to reading the paper. I mean that It's crazy that we have this rule, who had it first, because it doesn't have anything to do with addressing the heart, right, of your child. Really, we should say, the biblical example is, well, you need to share, right? Who is first will be last, you should give it to him. So whoever had it first should actually give it up, right? Uh, And that, if we're going to follow a biblical principle, and sharing and, and different things like that. Another example is, because I said so. Okay often if I say because I said so a lot of what I'm wanting to happen is I just want the conflict to stop And I don't want to explain it and I don't want to go after their heart And I don't want to do anything so I just want to end it so I can get back to me And so I say because I said so and that's easy to do and When your kids are little It makes more sense Uh, It seems easier to do that because there's this respect thing. There's this fear thing But as your kids are becoming adults a, they're not scared of you anymore, and B, they need respect. And so now we have to start actually going after their heart, and when we make a decision, we do need to take the time to explain it because we don't treat our peers that way. Like, we don't say, you got to do this, even like to a coworker. Why? Because I said so. We would never do that with a peer, and, and yet we'll, we're quick to do that with our kids um, because of the relationship. And yet, as they're becoming adults, they need that respect from us, and we have to interact with them more as adults. And that, that's one of the things, as a youth worker for 20 years, I, I don't have that kind of conflict. I don't have the baggage. I don't have that when I'm interacting with a teenager. And I realize, well, part of that is because I always just think of them as a, as a little adult. And we don't. We just think of them as kids. And it's hard for us, as they're in that between stage, to really narrow down and to kind of zoom in on that. So obviously my sin gets in the way. Um, Something else, another barrier uh, for us in our decision making can be our past, okay? You and I don't come to parenting with a blank slate, right? We have a whole huge well of experience as children ourselves, right? And that affects our parenting style. And When we're introspective, we need to be aware that our past is affecting the decisions that we make, okay? For example, in my life, I was, I followed a a, kind of a rebellious older brother, and I was the youngest of four kids, and my parents were very permissive, and I didn't get into much trouble. I was a pretty good kid, generally. So I, because that was my experience, I grew up in a really small town, I tend to approach things very permissively. Because ah oh, well I didn't really get into trouble staying out till two in the morning in the summertime so you probably won't either sure go ahead yeah you know, I mean that that I have to be careful about that because the context that our my kids are growing up in is very different and they're different and so just because I grew up in that permissive environment doesn't mean that that it's the same negatively though your decisions. Things that affected you negatively in the past really affect the decisions that we make as well, okay? Like, for example, I knew a guy years ago who, um, he and I had this talk, in fact, I've had this conversation so many times with so many parents where we talk about rock music, okay? And rock music can be the devil, all right? And... And I'll say, well, why, why do you feel this way? And, and it tends to go back to their past. They immediately go back to one of these guys, followed around the Grateful Dead, and was on acid, you know, and that's what he was doing in his late teens and early 20s. And so he doesn't want his kids to listen to rock music because he thinks of the damage that it can do. Now, I'm not saying that rock music doesn't do damage in certain kids and they get involved in a drug culture. Obviously, it happened to him. It can happen to your kids. But I listened to rock music growing up, all the way through, and I didn't do acid and follow a band around. It was a very different response. It just, music isn't that important to me, okay? I didn't, I didn't get into music and listen to the lyrics. I didn't even realize what the lyrics said half the time. I just liked the beat, you know? And so we've gotta be aware of these things, um, Is your negative experience in the past driving your decisions? You know, who is your child? Don't imprint. We don't want to imprint what our experience was onto them. We have to learn from it, and our wisdom grows from that. But we want to make sure that that's not the driving factor. Another thing, and this is uh, obviously there are daddy wounds that you have and mommy wounds that you have that affect your parenting. Sometimes your kids might do something, and it hits a well of emotion in you that you don't even understand. And the way you respond, like you, again, this is where introspection is important for us. You may just go off on your child and yell at them or burst into tears or I don't know what, but, and then you find out later as you think about it, wait a second, that really isn't what they were doing that caused that. What they did was they tapped in to an emotion that I have that's buried deep, that maybe your dad or your mom or, you know, your older brother or sister, something that you struggled with in junior high or high school, and it's, it's in your, it's kind of deep well of emotion. And uh, if you've ever been through the Battle for Men's Hearts thing, they, they have a, a, an elevator that kind of goes up and down, and they say that the emotions are kind of the dashboard that lets you know that there's a deep need down in your soul that's not being met. And the emotions that that you hit can really say, hey, wait, something, something below the surface is actually happening here. The emo- and a lot of us never get to the, the basement floor with the deep needs. We kind of, we go from, you know, cognitive to volitional to emotional, but we don't ever go, well, wait, what is that deep need that's going unmet in me? And that emotion is a response that's happening. So, For us, when we're talking with your spouse or when you're having your quiet time, if you had an emotional response, spend some time thinking about that. Unpack that and say, why why did I respond that way? Um, And just know that that affects what we do. Another thing, another barrier or uh, a a piece that goes into our decision making is is culture. I love, our youth staff is actually very culturally diverse, believe it or not. We have, uh, uh, Emilio is from Colombia. his parents are Colombian, Jimmy's a Korean American, we've got African American, we have like the most diverse staff in the church is our youth staff. And it's great as we talk and we go through all these things, but boy, talk about difference in parenting styles and stuff that just comes from your culture can be huge. Uh, Jimmy, I've learned so much from him on Korean culture and how that affects parenting can be huge. You know, what your background was, and yet if you grew up in a maybe first generation or second generation Korean culture, for example, and now your kid is growing up, though, almost entirely in an American context, boy, you can have a lot of conflict just with that, with what's going on culturally. Um, So being aware of how that affects your parenting And being aware of the changes that that need to take place or that should take place in your parenting style, you know, that that is a difficult difficult thing when culture also can get in the way of the decisions that we're making. Uh, The next one is the sibling effect, okay? I'm sure none of you have ever said, well, your brother did this, or your sister always made great grades, why aren't you, or, you know... But the siblings, if you have multiple kids, we tend to judge them on on what their brother or sisters are doing, right? If you you had an older brother or sister who paved the way and they were an angel and made great grades and never got in trouble, boy, second kid coming through has a hard time, you know, living up to that example. Um, And we have to remember that each one of our kids is hardwired completely different. I mean, I've got four kids, and it's amazing to me how every one of them is completely different. I mean, completely different in their personality. And if I I have to take each one of them very differently, and it's, it's hard for me because I want to be consistent, I want to parent the same way, but it's really not fair because they're different people. And I'm even different with each one of them. I mean, my oldest daughter, tears us, she couldn't get away with anything growing up. I mean, it was like when she just, you know, moved wrong or... or did something when she was little. I mean, it was like Johnny on the spot. And now with Zane, my youngest one, he can do anything. I mean, hey, you want the keys to the car? Go. Take it. I don't care. You're five, I know. But, you know, it, I because I'm tired, right? And I'm a different parent to him than I was to her. I mean, it, it was like we were double team in Tirza, and then when you have two kids, you're one-on-one, and now we're in the zone defense, and it's completely different with each Kid, I'm different, their personalities are different, and we have to, we owe it to our kids to approach each one for who God made them to be, right? The unique design that he gave them. You know, one of your kids might be academically minded, and the next one might be not, not as bright academically, but they might be socially gifted, or they might be gifted in sports. And, and so helping them to achieve their full potential in the area that that they are gifted in, but not punishing them because they're not like their brother or sister is something that I think can get in the way as we parent. Uh, The next barrier to our judgment can be fear. Now, this is a, a big one. We... Especially when it comes to the culture that our kids are growing up in, it's terrifying at times, right? I mean, when I... More and more, I, I just turn the news off because it's depressing, <laughs> and I don't. I think about wow, our kids won't know, you know, the country that I grew up in, or they, or the the culture that they're experiencing is vastly different. And you need to be aware of that. Public school, for example, is public school, and and some of the things that are happening now happened when we were in high school, but it is different. I mean, like pornography on the internet is not. That didn't even exist, right, when, when, we, were, when we were young, and it's a, it's a huge thing, and so there are cultural factors that are driving that, but sometimes we tend to fill in the gaps of the unknown with fearful things. We can say, you know, and, and I use the, the school thing as an example, because so many parents here either homeschool up to a certain age or, or do private Christian school up to an age, and then, boy, you hit about the eighth grade, and, and they're getting ready to put their kids in, and it is scary, Right? We feel like they're going to be, the first day of school, someone's going to grab them and throw them in a bathroom stall and inject drugs in their veins while they put a tattoo on them and make them watch porn, you know? (laughs) And we can have that fear. We can fill in the gaps. And then they go the first day, and really what happens is nobody sat with them at lunch, okay? Which is, in and of itself, can be a pretty devastating thing. And I don't want to minimize that. But sometimes our fear factor can just go way up by an unknown thing instead of of really just knowing what that environment is and equipping them and and going into it and saying hey let's let's go into this together and see Uh, we can be i don't know if you've ever seen the movie tangled i just i remember in tangled rapunzel her her the woman who has her captive mother gothel does this whole song, right, about don't leave the tower because all these things are going to happen to you. Men with pointy teeth are going to grab you, and rhinos are going to trample you, and sometimes I think we can be like Mother Gothel. You know, we can get them so scared, and and it's and that is not necessarily a healthy thing. Um, I've had kids who I've talked to that are actually kind of bitter when they're, by the time they're a junior or senior, just said, wow, I went to, I went to school and all these people are not scary, like I thought. I was you know one of the guys when I first came here to work i was uh, I knew this guy who was a senior, and his best friend was like a he had a Muslim, a Jewish, an atheist, and like a Hindu best friend at school at northview and He was a Christian kid, but he said i 've got all these friends, and they 're not scary and 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 so we we do need to to keep that in mind don 't let fear um, Control us, and part of that is because we want control and we, we don't know what we don't know. And so, if we can't control it, we want to say no and, and let the fear drive our decision in, instead of other things that, that should. Uh, and I want to remind us here that the whole goal of parenting is to put them in situations where they have an opportunity to be tested. And I think fear is one of the main things that keeps that from happening. Okay, we want them to be tested and to test where they are. And if we never put them in a situation where they can be tested, then dropping them off at college is not going to be a good scenario for them, okay, if they've not gone through some of these tests before then. The next one I think all of you can probably relate to is fatigue, right? Fatigue, does that ever cause you to maybe make a decision that you shouldn't have made in parenting? or to interact in a way. You know, uh, so often, and we've, we've talked about this many times in here, that your child is ready to have that deep, meaningful conversation at 11 o'clock at night right as they're going to bed. And you should have gone to bed at 10, right? And you're already trying to stay awake and engage their heart, and it's very difficult when you're just wiped out. And so I think fatigue is, is a huge factor for us um, of course, for us, eating right and exercise and things like that get even more important, right, if we, if we can fight the fatigue factor, but we can't, we can't keep up with them generally in uh, the way they want to stay up, and, and making those decisions when we're fatigued can be a problem. It might be a good time, sometimes when your kid hits you with something late at night for you to say, hey, let's sleep on that, <laughs> and in the morning, let me address that because I might make a better decision in the morning after I've had a pot of coffee. Um, <laughs> I wasn't exaggerating. Uh, the uh, the next thing is expectations. That can be a barrier. Sometimes we have this expectation of what we want our child to be, right? You know, we, we all, when our kids are little, we dream that they're going to be t- swearing in the oath of office, you know, as, as president of the United States and and then as they get closer to graduation, we realize they might be, you know, asking if you want fries with that, right? And that might be where they're headed and we're saying, this is not the expectation that I had for my child. And that can cause us frustration, it can cause us, again, in the way that we talk to them or communicate with them, they don't meet the expectation that we have. And it can, it can drive what we're doing. Um, the last one is the crowd. What is the crowd doing? We take social cues and parenting cues from what everybody else is doing. And again, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it can cause us problems or maybe even to do things against our values if we don't think deeply about those decisions. Uh, This happened to me just the other night. There was a movie. My son, Jace, who's 12, he was at a friend's house and he called, which is awesome, sign right there. Okay, He called and said, hey, they want to watch this movie what do you think and this was a movie that we had not let tears watch at the same age because we just the themes in it were kind of dark and everything and we thought you need to wait till you're a little older before you see this movie and but the next thing he said i well for the next thing i asked was well, well are the other parents okay with this and he's like yeah everybody else can watch it because it was a pg-13 movie and i was like immediately what I did in my mind and in my spirit was I didn't want them to think bad of Jace, and I didn't want his friends to think we're the weird parents who won't let their kid watch something reasonable. That was my emotion, and it drove my decision. I was like, well, I think so, and Cammie, praise the Lord, she was sitting right next to me, and she's like, (laughs) you know, she's giving me, yeah, she could have done that emotion in the face thing. She could have got that, yeah, right off the bat, yes. Um... It was, well, I don't want to say, yeah, okay, uh, pulp fiction, no. Um, <laughs> I'd rather not say, the reason I'd rather not say is because, I mean, I'll be, I'll be glad to tell you afterwards, I don't want any of you to feel judged, okay, just because I wouldn't let my kids watch it. If you think it's fine, that's a decision that you have, and I don't want, and you know, these things, as long as I've been in ministry, I mean, some parents are like, hey, you can go see anything, and some parents are, you can see nothing, and every, you guys are all over the board in here. So if I say the movie, half of you will think I'm a saint and half of you will think I'm crazy. So I would rather not give you the, the specific example. But I'll be glad to tell you afterwards. Um, but I don't want anybody in here to feel judged <laughs> by me. So the, um, but it was amazing how I, again, and, and the other thing is it might have been okay for him and it wasn't okay for her. Again, going back to that, to that how she's wired and how he's wired. And I'm more tired and I'm more permissive as I get older and have other kids. I mean, Zane, again, will probably get to watch anything because by then, he's the youngest kid and I'll be, I'll be different, okay? So, And Tiersa probably didn't get to watch anything, so maybe we were too strict with her. See, You see how all these things can just get in your brain and cause you to make decisions not based on necessarily what you should base the decision on, um, and we get into this a lot when it comes to phones you know when do you give your kid a phone what kind of phone can your kid have you know cuz i'll tell you in this area there are third graders with iPhones and there are freshmen who don't even have a phone all right and i'm telling you that because you're probably not weird if you fall somewhere on that continuum okay they're all over the place here and i want you to make that decision based on your family's values, based on where your kid is, based on how they're wired, and not some arbitrary, everybody else is doing it at this age. Does that make sense? That's what we want to avoid, is that we're just looking at the crowd and saying, well, everybody else is doing this. Um, Just like the movies thing, you know, when you have a a PG-13 movie, for example, you can set an arbitrary rule and go by that, but really... Knowing what the movie is and taking the time to watch the movie yourself or watch it with your child and go over the things that you saw, that is the kind of parenting that I'm advocating, is that we engage with them, engage their heart, not just make an arbitrary rule. Is it PG-13? Yes. Okay, you can. Well, there might be some PG-13 movies they shouldn't see. Or there might even be an R-rated movie that would be okay in the right context with you sitting there watching and helping them digest that. Does that make sense? And so... These are the things that I think are barriers. Now, here's what I think we should, what should drive our parenting, okay? Obviously, the first thing is the Word of God. The Word of God should be driving our parenting. It says in Hebrews 4, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now look at that. It discerns, when you and I are engaged in the word, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When you and I are spending regular time in the word of God, and and that's what I mean by that. I don't mean, should you go see this movie? Well, let me look that up in scripture and see if there's something, a scripture about that movie. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you and I are in the Word regularly. It is it combs through all of these barriers that I talked about and helps you to navigate and discern. It peels you open so that you can go. You know what? I'm making that decision based on fear, which isn't real. So I need it needs to. This is what the decision needs to be. And and the Word and the Spirit will inform you and I to make good decisions and to be wise um psalm one says this in in a different way he says he is like a tree planted by streams of water now this he's describing a righteous man is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither in all he does he prospers okay so what what psalm one is talking about is the believer the one who trusts in god is like a tree planted by a stream and that's because our roots go down and we are connected to that wellspring of life we are connected to to God and he is informing all of our decisions through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he does that, it says that in all we will do, we will prosper. And that includes parenting. Even in our parenting, we can prosper and we can make wise decisions when we're connected to God. So the word of God needs to be the main thing that's informing us. We should get our we should be able to glean from that our principles that we base our parenting on, we should have you know be able to get those kinds of things, and then also just that communion with the Holy Spirit which guides us as we're making decisions as parents and as we're communicating with our kids um, and the second thing that I think should drive you in your parenting decisions is knowing the heart of your kid. This is one of the biggest things is knowing their their heart and who they are rather again than so if you, if, you, if you have the Bible driving you and you know who they are as a person, that drives you. And let me give you an example to kind of unpack this. Um, and I, you know, again, I could, I could certainly be judged by this example. Uh, New Year's Eve. Now, my daughter is 15, and she's telling me, hey, it's New Year's Eve, and I want to go to downtown Duluth. We live in Duluth, and the town green, and I want to go down there for New Year's Eve. A bunch of my friends are going, and I'd like to do that. Now, right off the bat, I have a decision to make, right? Now, where where does your mind go when I say that? It probably goes where my mind goes. I start thinking of, you know, downtown New York City, the ball's dropping, everybody's drunk with their arms around each other, you know, singing Old Anxine. And so fear grips me first thing to go, you know, why would I let you in that cesspool of downtown Duluth, right? (laughs) Okay. and, I, and fear can grip me thinking of, well, who, some drunk guy is gonna come assault you, okay? Or, or or you know, say something to you or put you in an uncomfortable situation. So that fear grips me, okay? And so my initial idea when she brings it up is that I'm gonna tell her no because those are the thoughts that come to my mind first thing, all right? Um, then I even can think of, the crowd, and what is everybody else doing? See, really, in the circles I run in, which is the perimeter church conservative circles, most people would not let their kid go. Something like that, necessarily. At least a lot of my friends probably wouldn't. Again, because you would just say, "Wow, I don't like that environment." So, off right off the bat, again, I can be driven by what is everybody else doing, you know. And then I started thinking. Okay, then a part of me wants to let her go, and then I start thinking of my background. Remember, I didn't get in much trouble. My parents were pretty permissive. I was a pretty good kid. And so that starts to affect me and go, well, what am I really scared of? What's going on there? And I know that that's happening within me as as I'm trying to make this. I knew who she was with. Okay, she was with one parent that goes here, a Christian girl. Then she was with several friends that have been to our house many times that she goes to school with that are not Christians. But I kind of know them, and I know, and I know some of these things. So I had already done that. I generally knew the environment. You know, I kind of knew what downtown Duluth is like, and I know Steve Arenos is down there, and there's a coffee shop. And I also know it's really cold, so I'm starting to think, probably you're just going to go sit in the coffee shop most of the time because it's cold out there. And so I start going through this decision-making process. I basically ended up letting her go. And the main reason was I knew her heart. I said, she doesn't really want to get in trouble. I was not concerned that she was going to drink. She's not interested in any of the boys that she was with. Um, She's not, but see that one of the key components here is she's not deceptive. Okay, my oldest child is not deceptive. And that's just not who she is. I've not caught her in a major lie. I've not caught, you know, anything like that. Uh, Even in little lies. She just generally is a pretty honest person. And I feel like because of our relationship, that I know her. And I know who she is, and I know that. And then I also think my values are that if she's going to make a mistake in life, I want her to make a mistake while she lives at home. She's only going to be home two and a half more years. So is this one of those opportunities where I can give her some freedom to see how she handles that freedom? Yes, it is. That's a value for me. Okay, all I'm doing is walking you through my process. Again, whether you would have made the same decision or not, it doesn't it doesn't matter you don't know my daughter the way I do right so i made that decision to let her go what was interesting about that is now if she i had been catching her in lies and if she was texting a boy all night long and if or if i had caught her drinking and she you know at some point my decision probably would have been very different okay so that's why i'm saying knowing your child to me, is one of the key factors in our decision-making process. If, if your child has a heart that wants to do good, then obviously for us that makes it a lot easier to parent, right? Um, and it's, what's interesting is right after this, okay, so she went, and it went pretty much like I thought. They bought some French fries and stayed in Steve Arena's most of the night. They, they went to the coffee shop half the night, now, there is a, there's a graveyard down there, and they did go walking through the graveyard because they thought that'd be fun, and that was the one factor that I, I, didn't, I didn't consider, but I'm not bothered by it, per se. Uh, it's kind of creepy, but that's fun. it's fun to do creepy, scary stuff when you're in high school. So that was her experience, okay? Now, what was funny is right after that, uh, a friend of mine was talking to me, and I shared some of this with him and what I learned and the process of going through it, and he had the exact same situation come up, although it was his... Son wanted to go to a party, and but he had the exact opposite response, and I think it was the appropriate response, and it was because, as we started talking through it, exactly what I'm talking about. They had recently, his son's phone had been taken away many times because of deception. He had been texting and talking to this girl and lying to him about it. He had been trying to go someplace and telling half-truths to get there to be with a certain someone, and so... When he was faced with almost a very similar parenting choice, because of the heart of his child, he had to make the opposite decision. Does that make sense? So the heart, knowing that your mind and your spirit is informed by the word of God, is is the most important thing, but then knowing the heart of your child will help us to make those kind of decisions. Now last, of course, is the environment. Environment is important. You need to know, uh, Randy Pope just talked about this, right, in his spiritual um, battlefields and battlegrounds, right? You don't want to send your child into one of these areas um, that could be damaging, and, that, and that's certainly something to keep in mind, and, and Randy's already talked about that. So, knowing the environment, but I, I personally believe knowing your kid's heart is more important than the environment, because my goal is to prepare my kids to go into almost any environment. That's the goal, because I'm thinking constantly about college, okay? So many of our kids from this church go into college, join fraternities, and that is a major factor in what they're doing. So um, last thing, and then I'm going to let Cammie come up, and and she's got a a -a monologue to share with us, um, that I want to say is this idea about praying for wisdom. Um, it says in James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We need wisdom as we go through these things, as we make these decisions. And Solomon did that before he became king. He said, Lord, I need wisdom to rule these people of yours. And we need to go to God and pray for wisdom in parenting. So let me pray and, as Cammie comes up uh, as well. Heavenly Father, thank you. For this time, and Lord, we do need wisdom as we parent our children, and we ask you to um, guide us. Lord, that wisdom can only come from you and uh, equip us to be parents to make wise choices and help us to be communicating with ourselves and be introspective enough to know why we do the things that we do. In Christ's name, amen.
3: Amen. Um, I'm so blessed to be married to him. I just want to say that because I just was listening to him and I, I don't know about y'all, but I have an example of every barrier of a situation that I've had with tears where, or, or yes, sin has driven my response. Yes, my previous experiences. I mean, you know, I'm going down the list and I'm going, well, he could have told this story about me and he could have told that story about me because <laughs> I do it wrong so often. And, and and that's one of the things that I love to get to the opportunity to share with y'all. Um, we don't have a lot of time today, um, so I just wanted to um, – Come up, and I wanted to talk to you about 2014. 2014, we're in a new year. How many of you are glad to be in a new year? I am so glad. I'm so ready to say goodbye to 2013 um, and glad to embrace 2014. And the question that I have for you is what kind of parent do you want to be in 2014? Stop and think about it for a minute. Um, We have this family tradition that we learned when we were in Russia. Of going to um, talk, thinking deeply about 2013, the previous year, and we think about the good and we think about the bad, and we do this whole toasting thing that the Russians do um, that we learned in Russia. And it, and as I was thinking about my 2013 as a parent, I struggled a lot with criticism, and I think I've shared a lot of that with y'all. I I I was very 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 critical with my daughter, and so um, as an end to that way for 2013 toasting out that idea I made for tears of her christmas a jar filled with everything i like about her and i don't know it was i tried to get like 150 i wanted to have like 365 but i ran out of time and whatever but i made her this jar for her to keep in her room of things that i love about her and and I'll be honest with you, as I was writing it, I still wanted to qualify, you know, like, I love the way you are with your brother and sister, except when you are bossy. You know, <laughs> in my heart, that's what I wanted to do. But I really, you know, put a muzzle on myself, and I said, only purely positive things, you know, and just let them lay there. And I and I gave this to her for Christmas, and she has it up on her shelf in her room. And, and I asked her later, I said, you know, what did you think of that? And she said, well, I don't need it right now, because we're not really in conflict. <laughs> and I said, well... Good, I guess I mean, I think that's a good thing, but she has this little well of of things that I really like about her, so um, two thousand and thirteen was the year that I criticized my daughter a lot. I'm not proud of that, but that's just the truth of it. And so, what do I want for two thousand and fourteen? We're not very far into it, so I don't know what my struggle's going to be, but I wanted to share with you guys one of my resolves, and that is... To ask the question why. Um, Jeff says I'm very introspective, and I think it's absolutely true. I love to just sit and think thoughts, and I think that can be a plus and it can be a minus. Um, I can think about myself way more than anyone should ever think about themselves and wonder why I do what I do. But I've been kind of wrestling with this question of why am I so critical? Why is that my default? And I don't know. I can honestly tell you I don't know. I think there's some fear there, some fear basis. I think there's some pride and control. Um, My mother wasn't engaged when I was a teenager at all. And so I think my tendency is to hyper-engage. And and so I think I'm critical because I want to help in a way. I mean, not all the motives have to be bad. Some of them can be good. They just aren't necessarily good in practice. So I wanted to give you guys a chance, and you have a piece of paper in front of you that Rip already gave you, and I wanted to give you just a few minutes, um, and that's kind of how we're going to close out our time here. I, I, I will dismiss you after we do it for about five minutes. But, um, And ask the question, what kind of parent do I want to be this year? And why did I do in 2013 what I did? And you might not come up with an answer right now because I don't, like I said, I don't have a lot of time. But I just want to give you those questions because I do think why is a very, very powerful question for you to ask yourself as a parent. And I do think we have to come back to that question of wisdom from God. Lord, give me discernment. And, And, you know, Solomon did ask for wisdom. It's not that God said, oh, you need wisdom. He asked for it, and he had a pretty awesome job in front of him, but so do we. We have to take selfish, sinful people and turn them into adults who are responsible. So um, pretty awesome. So let me pray, and then I'm going to give you guys five minutes, and then at the end of five minutes, I'll tell you. So I want everybody to kind of stay in your seat for five minutes and just think thoughts. And if that's uncomfortable to you, it'll only be five minutes. So let me pray for you. Dear God. Mm. Parenting is so hard, and I confess, often I feel like I fail, and I know that others here do too, and so we just, we lift up to you 2014, and we ask for your help in every moment, and we ask that you, in these five minutes that we're going to give you just now, that you would begin to show us what's in our own hearts as we parent that you would help us to navigate our own emotions and our own experiences and all those barriers Jeff talked about and learn to depend on you, the Spirit, to guide us, to muzzle us when we need to be quiet, and to give us the right words when it's time to speak. And so I just pray that you would help us to begin this communication with our own hearts and with you through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might know why we do what we do, and that we might be different in 2014 and more dependent on you. The Lord, use these next five minutes and in the days to come as well. In Jesus' name, amen. sorry, I'm going to have to stop a little bit, four or five minutes, because they're going to need the room. Um, there were just two things that I wanted to say before y'all left. Uh, I wanted to let y'all know that Facebook, um, there is a parent university on Facebook. If you haven't joined our group, please do. And there are going to be blogs on there and um, postings. Jeff and I have got some postings on there that we want to begin a conversation. Some of you, we've begun a conversation about being introspection and and communication, and so there will be, if you're on Facebook at all, um, I just want to encourage you. It's fun to kind of connect in that arena, and so we're trying to beef that up a little bit in 2014, so thank you guys so much for being here this morning, and next month we'll be back.
0: You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Render Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the Student Ministries website at
1: www.parameter.org slash students for more information. Thank you.